I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you. If you'd like to talk about your landscape, your plant material, or whatever, simply call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Where'd that 1120 come from? Oh, that's the KMOX numbers. Hmm... Saturday morning is a good gardening stroll, and afterwards we will discuss your trees, whatever else is going on in your yard, that low spot that you can't get any grass to grow because it's wet whenever it rains. Of course, it hasn't rained in a while, so you better be watering your plant material because it's getting pretty darn dry. And how are your houseplants? Hmm... Do you need to be pruning anything this time of year? you need to be worrying about any kind of bugs? What are those spots? How come your trees are losing so many leaves this early? Hmm, wonder what's going on. Well, I'll share my knowledge and uh, maybe help you make a decision on the action you want to take. And if you want to, uh, give us a call, as I said before, 314-436-7900. 1-800-925-1120. And uh, as always, a very important player in the game is Drew. He's producing, so he'll answer the phone. He just needs your first name. He'll put it up on the computer screen, and then we'll just kind of go from there. And I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides the Saturday morning get-togethers, we can I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation, a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage will have my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Turning south off Utah, a sign reads, Cherokee Historic District. As the sky was brightening to the east, Birds were flying. Church steeples across 55 were standing tall. And underneath the oak trees, oaks, these were street trees, an informational sign tells about this area. 
At one time, it was a wealthy suburb. That was during the 1850s and 1860s. In 1851, Adam Limp built his home, and the next year, Dr. Nicholas Demonell, who was part owner of the first drug chain, drugstore chain in St. Louis, built his home on this street as well. Today, the Limp Mansion has huge, triple-trunked river birch in the front. There's hostas, there's iris, there's Autumn or sweet autumn joy. No, not sweet, just autumn joy sedum. There's a Japanese maple there. There's a historic fountain and a street light, too. That's uh, must have been from way back when because it's so short. But uh, there's actually another fountain as well. The other fountain actually is functional. This one is not uh, functional, but it does have some history about it. There's a stone wall, wrought iron fence and railing, boxwood, maiden grass, uh, setting the stage for the stairway leading up to what the Lymph Mansion is now as a restaurant. And there's a weeping locust tree, which I don't know how old this tree is, but it is has a for a tree of this variety and this and this, you know. I guess variety is enough. But uh, the caliper of the trunk is just massive, and the weeping qualities are, is really unique. The fountain that has the lily pond, nice sound there. There's English ivy growing, creeping flocks, daylilies. There's blooming variegated liriope, which looks very nice. There's some kind of relatively small areas of lawn but there's several signs that says keep off the grass. <laughs> I don't know why they bother. But there's winding steps leaving all the way back through. Who knows where they go or anything else. But it was actually a perfect day to be walking around the Lymph Mansion and this area of the city of St. Louis. And I've, you know, I guess I've been to the Lymph Mansion, Tracy and I, a couple times way back when to, to eat, but we haven't been there for a while. So, But they have uh, lunch and dinners both. So, and then Sunday is Chicken Sunday. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go to Jack's. Hi, Jack. Hey. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Hey. Uh, yeah, Good. I uh, just had some sod put in about two or three days ago, and I got a couple questions. First, uh, how often should you water it? It's underneath a uh, acorn tree, and that's my second question. All these acorns are falling on the sod, the newly sod, and should I try to get it, get the acorns out of the new sod, or just let it let let the acorns stay there? So. The questions are watering and the acorns that are falling. Well, it's very dry, so you should. I'm not saying you should be watering, you know, every day, but probably for extended periods of time, let's say uh, a half hour to an hour, and do that every other day, and uh, keep doing it until when you bend over and try to pull up a piece, pull up a piece of sod. Once the root system starts going down into the ground then you can cut back on the amount of watering that you have to do. 
And the acorns, I wouldn't be too concerned with them. Ultimately, you know, the leaves are going to fall off the tree. You're going to have to rake it or mow or whatever you end up doing. But uh, acorns right now are not a problem. Okay. Soon after it, uh, the sod takes, uh, can I cut the grass then or should I wait a little longer? No, it's basically you can, it's going to be, you know, again, weather dependent, it's going to determine how long it's going to take. But once it's rooted, then you can go ahead and mow it. And I'm assuming this is a bluegrass or a fescue. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this is, uh, uh, did they put, I would probably think about putting some uh, fertilizer down too. So okay. keep that in mind. Any type of fertilizer? Or? Well, a soil test would have been the best thing you could have done before you laid the sod down so you could find out what kind of nutrients there were, you know, there are, there are in your soil, and that would determine what type of fertilizer you'd use. But I, you know, I would use a winterizer type fertilizer. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate the information. Sure, my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. On the seabed, in an octopus's garden, near a cave. We would sing and dance around. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. And if you do have any questions about your landscape, do you have those tulip bulbs? Do you have your daffodils? How about your crocus? Should you be planting them yet, or should you hold on to them? What should you do? Should you still be fertilizing your annuals? Is it going to make any difference at all? Is it going to extend their life? What else is going on out there? Well, let's head over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. Yeah, I was calling about uh, putting in a, some kind of a shade tree on the south side of my house. I've got a driveway, concrete driveway, and it seems to heat everything up. And I don't have a whole lot of room, but I want something to be about 12 to 15 foot tall, maybe no more than 10 foot wide. And I'll probably plant a couple of them. And I was just wondering what kind and what time to plant. Uh, well, you got a couple different options. One would be the Japanese maples. You could take a look at those. Not the, you know, the ones that look like umbrellas, but uh, like a Crimson King type maple, that type thing. That's going to be about the size you want. You could also look at something that's more native, like a service berry, amelanchier. Service berry is a, a flowering tree that blooms in the springtime before the dogwoods. It does have a, a small fruit on it after the flowers are pollinated, and then it gives you good fall color as well. Okay. The, the, the berries are not poisonous or anything? No. Okay, service berry, what do you call the tree? Uh, well, amelanchier is a botanical name, but service berry is, you could just make sure you get the tree form and not the shrub form. And uh, those will go about 12 foot tall then? Yeah, 12 to 15 feet and about uh, kind of equal spread. Which ones have the leaves that uh, are very small? or I don't have a leaf problem with them either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're, neither one of these trees have huge leaves, let's put it that way. Okay. Okay, so it'd be the uh, Japanese maple, crimson king, or the uh, service berry. Right. Both of them got about the same root system? Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay. They'll be by a fence, so, I mean, it'll, it'll block the wind some, but I, I've seen a lot of trees coming out of the ground this year. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's been a kind of a rough year for certain trees. Yeah, what what's the best time to plant them? In October or late September? Uh, basically, any time before. Just get them in the ground before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving, right? Okay. All right. Yeah, I listen to your show, and I I thank you a whole lot. All right, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, we removed shrubs from our front of our house this year and dug out all the lava rocks, which was a never ending battle. Um, and now I'm going to put in some of those little line punch hydrangeas and I don't want to put rocks in, but someone warned me about termites if I use mulch, but I see everybody using mulch all over the place. What do you think about that? Um, do I, is that a concern? Not really. If you buy mulch from reputable companies like St. Louis Composting, there's no way that there's going to be termites. Termites only eat, you know, let's say wood. So if you were, let's say a tree service came and they ground out a stump or something uh, and they said, well, uh, would you like this, you know, to use as a mulch? You'd say no, because that could possibly cause problems related to termites. But correctly, properly cooked mulch will not attract termites. Well, that's good news. I did go to St. Louis Composting to get fill dirt or soil, topsoil, to level it out. And their mounds of mulch and their colors and variety is unbelievable. So I was going to go back there until somebody said, what about termites? And um, so well, I whoever I'd said that, I wonder where those people got that information related to termites. I have no idea, but um, that's why I said I was going to call you. One more quick question. I put in a butterfly bush this last spring, and um, butterflies everywhere, which I love it. But I also noticed grasshoppers. I've never seen grasshoppers in my yard before. Is that what attracted them, or is it something else? No, it's probably just, you know, by chance they showed up and they've not been there before. But I've noticed okay. there's been a lot of grasshoppers out in various places. So oh, this okay. year seems to be prolific as far as certain insects in certain circumstances. Wow. Okay, perfect. We're going to go back to St. Louis composting. And thanks for the hint on going there. The variety is endless. Yes. So very happy with the service I got there. So, all right. Thank you. Yeah, and for your, you know, with your hydrangeas that you're getting, you want about uh Oh, between two and three inches of mulch. And if you're going to do the planting yourself, just make sure you dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball of the, of the shrubs and make sure it's only about 80% as deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Oh, okay, good. And I can just cover that whole area that's left with mulch. Yes, I do not want rocks again after what we went through. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate your show. Sure, my, I'm glad to help you. I'm glad I could. And Dane, how are you? Good morning. How are you? Good. Hey, I just had a couple of questions about banana plants. Um, I just put them in last year. I was told I needed to dig them up, so I dug them up, put them in the basement. 
but then I was also told that I didn't have to do that. So um, can you let me know um, what I can or cannot do as far as banana plants are concerned? Well, generally, most people do dig them up and move them inside. Over the you know probably last decade or so, there has been certain people that have put mulch over the top of them and left them outside and had success with it. And some of that has to be related to kind of the climate change circumstance where our weather, our winters are not quite as severe as they used to be. But in the, historically in the past, way back when, I don't want to say way back when, but way back when, uh, the bananas didn't, weren't able to survive our winters because the ground got too cold. But it's, there's a couple people that uh, in my neighborhood that have left their bananas out. And uh, it's, I mean, the root systems get pretty darn big and, you know, pretty heavy and everything else. So just to understand that, you know, that's going to be this, you know, potentially, a, you know, the situation. Okay. Uh, and, and just one other question about them. Um, I had one that actually... Um, Produce bananas and really sold it. Yeah, and they said that after they produce bananas, that they won't like come back next year. They they die. Is that true? Well, that's that that trunk that had the bananas on it may die, but the root system will still stay viable and it will produce new stems coming up. Okay. All right. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. You've been very helpful. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, bananas are kind of fun. And, uh, but uh, there's, uh, as which I've named a house close to me, the Banana Canna Farm, and they had to get, or they kind of gave up on the bananas because the root systems got so big and so heavy that they just, uh, they actually put sunflowers in its place of the bananas. So if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Pre-emergence, it's probably a little bit too late to be bothering putting any kind of pre-emergent down. So uh, don't waste your money. Don't waste your time or anything else. But uh, the pre-emergent that you would have been putting down in mid to late August was going to get rid of the cool season annual weeds. And consequently, they're probably up and germinating and everything else. Just be be conscious of that. And one of the things that uh, seems to be really prolific, you know, as the lady was talking about grasshoppers and things like that, this year the spurge has been really all over the place, at least in, you know, my neighborhood or in my yard or whatever. And now that is an annual warm season grass, and that germinated last uh, springtime when the forsythia was in bloom. But it is just sprawling all over the place. It's just kind of incredible. And so just kind of keep an eye out for, you know, for the weed circumstance because catch them early, that's the best thing you can possibly do. So. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We have phone lines open, 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. Folks, back to the phones we go, but if you do have a question about your landscape, your plant material, or your houseplants, it's not quite time to bring in the houseplants, let's say your tropicals and stuff, but uh, start watching them very closely related to any kind of fungus gnats that might be in the soil. 
any kind of insects that might be on the underside of the leaves, the stems and everything else. So make sure you got them all cleaned up before you do bring them in. And you should be bringing them in within the next couple of weeks. Let's head over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question. I saw a, a beautiful tree at the zoo a number of years ago in the fall. It had beautiful colors, but it was an odd tree. I called there, and I think they told me it was uh, like a gigantic sumac. Does that make sense? Well, there's there's sumac, but the sumac's not going to be gigantic. It's not going to be a huge tree. Yeah, that's exactly. But it had the, those exact leaves. But it was it was a tree, and I I called the, because I hadn't seen it before. Right. And um, I think he said it was a variety of sumac that grows to tree size. Wow. Well, what yeah. I would probably do is check out the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see if you know what they say about that. Okay, I I'm not saying that he was wrong. With it. Right, right. And I, I'd like to plant it, but I'm not a professional landscaper. So if it takes uh, somebody that's a professional, like the zoo, being able to maintain it somehow, uh, I wasn't going to plant it. But uh, just thought I'd see if you had any familiarity with it. No, not uh, you know, not a regular tree type. So, okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. Right. And now let's go and see what's going on in Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hi. Um, I had a question. I'm, I'm, I apologize if you've touched on this before, but I'm trying to um, get my daughter's lawn shaved up a little bit. And she's got like a good base of bluegrass, you know, cool, cool weather grass, but she's got Bermuda grass kind of try, trying to creep in a little bit. And is there any way to eradicate that? There's, yeah, the just go to your favorite garden center and tell them you've got Bermuda grass. Uh, but probably trying to get it under control this time of year may not be the to its to your advantage because it's, you know, it is a warm season grass, so it's going to be heading mm-hmm. towards dormancy really soon. So right. the effectiveness of the herbicide may not be what you really want. And it's it's going to take a couple applications over a period of time to actually finally eradicate it completely. Okay. Yeah, we're going to overseed and aerate and, and stuff with good grass, but but I guess in the spring's probably best or when it's... When yeah, it's as soon as you year. start to see it green up in the springtime, that's the best time to go after it. Okay. Sounds great. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you. And let's see. Let's head over to Kate's yard. Hi, Kate. Hello, Kate. Are you there? Guess not. Let's, how about Doris? Doris, how are you doing today? Good morning. This is Doris. Hi. Hi there. Um, I'm calling about an azalea plant that I planted in the spring, and the plant stayed very nice. However, I never got any blooms. But now it has beautiful pink flowers on it, blooming lovely, <laughs> and <laughs> looks a little out of place with the pumpkins and mums, but, you know. But I'm wondering, uh, will it bloom next spring, likely, or was it just the weather, or what made this do that? I, I don't know that there's an azalea automatically blooms in the fall. No, yeah, I don't either. That's really kind of surprising because usually if you're going to buy something in the springtime, the flower buds are set the previous fall. 
So why it didn't bloom until now, hmm, it must have been shipped in from who knows where, but no, I don't I don't have any but the the problem is gonna be if it's in flower now, it's not gonna have the time or the energy to set the flower oh. buds for next spring. Oh. Huh. So either either it will not bloom at all anymore or uh it, it probably just dig it up and get rid of it. <laughs> well, I don't know. If it looks healthy and everything else, you can let it grow and see if it can acclimate to, you know, to the right cycle. But, you know, why it was that, you know, that far off and didn't bloom right when you got it is really kind of surprising. Right, right. And I thought, well, maybe I misunderstood that there is an azalea that blooms in the fall, but I'd never heard of that. Right. But, you know, I just kind of left it go because it was green, healthy. And it's lovely now, but a little out of place. So did you buy this at a, a year-round garden center or at a big box store? One of the big box stores, oh. yeah. yeah. So, so I, don't, I don't know if that's, you know, the big issue or what. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, but it's looking very, but it's looking very healthy. So. Great. Well, enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Sure. You do the very same thing. And now let's let's head over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. I'm calling about a pink dogwood tree that I have. I just recently moved. Oh. Are you there, Carol? Hello, Carol. Hi. I have a question about a tree that I can't identify. It's a large, mature tree. During the summer, um, the, it looked like there was some kind of a bloom. There was sort of yellowish. I don't know whether they were flowers or little leaves or what. But now that the, we're getting closer to fall, uh, they've turned sort of a papery-looking tan or brown. Do you have any idea what it is? It's probably a tulip tree. But don't they usually get those long things hanging down from them? No, that's Lady Cigar. That's okay. Catalpa. So, no, these are two t- t- completely different types of trees. A so the Catalpa tree. tree will have the long bean pods. Yeah. yeah but the I tulip tree does not. It just has upright flowers, kind of an orangish-yellow and uh, in the summertime. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Sure. My pleasure. And I don't know, the Carol that was asking about her pink dogwood, I don't know, you know, how she got cut off or whether she needed to hang up or whatever it happens to be. But uh, again, this year has been really kind of an odd year as far as weather-wise, has really adversely impacted lots of different blooms, lots of different plant materials and things like that. But right now, as we start heading towards fall, which first day of fall is going to be next Saturday, and by the way, next Saturday, I'm going to be broadcasting from the Arch Grounds. So I get to go down and be out of the studio and ah, fresh air. I used to do a lot of broadcasts over you know, the whole metropolitan area, various locations, retail-wise, park-wise, all kinds of different circumstances. But it's going to be fun to be on the Arch Grounds next Saturday. So... Uh, I'll be there normal time between 8 and 10. And so if you'd like to come by and say hi, that would be great. I'd love that. Or 
you know, I mean, the Arch Grounds is just, it's one of the sort of the most spectacular circumstances architecturally and plant-wise that I have seen. I've traveled, I can't say I've traveled the entire world, but I've tra- been through Europe, through Canada, Alaska, Mexico, Caribbean, and the Arch Grounds is something to be very proud of. And I'm glad that we have it here. So let's head over to Jim's yard now. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. How are you doing this morning? Good. So my question is, I have, I put my indoor plants outside for the summer, and it's getting time to bring them in. And I'm, <clears throat> I'm pretty positive that because of where I've had them, they've got ants and maybe some other bugs in them. And I, re- I repotted them when I put them out there. Is there anything I can put in there to help encourage all the ants and the other little bugs to stay outside when I bring the plants in? <laughs> well, <laughs> first of all, I'd probably move them, cause, uh, but also get an insecticidal soap, mix it up, and then just pour it on the surface and see if you can kill anything that's on, you know, in your potting mix. And then just also start watching and, you know, checking out the the stems and the leaves and things of your plants and have an insecticidal soap and just do an application if you see any kind of bugs. Okay. I'll give it a whirl. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, the ants can be prolific as far as getting into pots. They can be really aggravating. So what I do with mine is I overwater them right before I bring them in, and that kind of generally drives the ants out of any, you know, out of any of the pots that I do bring in. So maybe consider that. But also using the insecticidal soap would be something that make good sense. 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. With Mike Miller on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. You know, I mentioned watering a couple times during the show already today. And with my landscape, you know, I have zoysia grass and I have, you know, potted plants and I have some plants in the ground and things like that. What I'm doing basically once or twice a week is running my sprinkler system, which I don't have a sprinkler system. I have a hose and a sprinkler, but I run it for any place between, depending upon the area and depending upon the plant material, a half hour to 45 minutes to an hour in each location before I move the sprinkler. So I'm soaking the ground pretty deep because I want to make sure that the root systems are, especially root systems, plant material that are growing in between the sidewalk and the street with street trees. That's a really tough, you talk about even drier, drier than dry. That's a tough spot, so I do run it a little bit more in those locations. So let's head over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a pink dogwood that bloomed beautifully this spring. I just moved into this house, and it was just a very, very beautiful show. Now it's showing signs the trees, the, the leaves are looking all rusty, and they're curling up. And I just don't want to lose it, and I, I don't know. I looked and at, kind of did a little research, and that I think they said it was an arach. I don't know. Possibly could be some sort of a 
a bug. So, and Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So so let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And what I what I seem to find is there really is no reason to treat it until it goes away or something. And I don't know if you have any suggestions. How I- to relieve the pain this tree is in. <laughs> well, this late in the season, I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. I would be taking a look at the tips of the branches, the twigs, to see if it's forming the flower buds for next year. There should be little things about the size of a pea on the end of the branches, and that's, you know, again, the flower buds for next year. Foliage-wise, uh, this late... There's not really too much you can do that's going to make that much difference. Just when the leaves fall, just make sure you kind of clear them up. So simply if there happens to be some insect eggs that are on the leaves, if you leave them on the ground, a lot of times that can re-inoculate the tree the following season, growing season. And that's what Dr. Google said, get the leaves up. So <laughs> Right. I was just wondering if there's nothing I can do for it now, just let the nature take its course and hopefully they'll freeze out. Yeah, I would say just kind of leave it alone. and uh, But, again, go out and because and, I've seen plenty of dogwoods that have the flower buds for next year already set on the ends of the branches. Okay. Well, I'll try to see what that looks like and see if I can figure out if they're there. Right. I sure don't want to lose it because it was sure pretty. So. How, how big is it? It's possibly about 10 feet. Oh, so it's pretty old and mature. Because the pink yeah. dogwood is not really the strongest one. And uh, so sometimes they do great, and other times they are kind of hit and miss. Well, how? what is their lifespan? Uh, probably 20, 20 plus years, even if uh, even that might be it. The white maybe ones are going to go a little bit longer. Maybe that's the problem, too. So well, I'll look and see if it. You know, maybe it's in hospice. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, let me ask you this. Below it are uh, azaleas. Would they be affected with the same thing? Uh, No. 
generally not. Broadleaf evergreens and deciduous plants, they can have the same problems, but for the most part, they don't. They okay. don't. They both need, you know, an acidic type fertilizer, and uh-huh. uh, I don't know if you you're putting mulch out, but if you do put some mulch, two to three inches of mulch is what I'd be using. No, unfortunately, I have plastic and river rock. Ooh. Which, yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, oh dear. But, anyway, <laughs> that's that's not. Kind of going. Okay, are the are the azaleas going to be okay, or should I just start all over and erase the whole thing and and start fresh? So well, and you can always put the you can pull the rock and the plastic off and just put regular mulch in, you know, as a replacement. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to yank them out. Well, no, but I mean that that just pulling the rocks and the mulch up. That's 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 a big job for an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big job for okay. anyone. <laughs> right, right. I appreciate your show. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. Now let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Good morning. I have two amaryllis bulbs, and I'm wondering what's the best way to treat them now that we're going into the fall and winter. They've been in the house the whole time. One has lost the leaves and the other one has uh, one kind of wimpy looking one still on there. What you want to do is we want to let it go, let them go dormant. So cut off the wimpy leaf on the one and uh, are they in, I'm assuming they're in pots. Correct. I would say, you know, pull them out of the pot, shake the potting mix off of it, feel them, make sure they still feel firm and then just leave them alone. you you can repot them if you want to, but don't do any watering. Or you can just leave them out of the pots and uh, for a couple months. And then probably 1st of December or so, put them back in pots with a potting mix, not potting soil. And then start watering. And then you should start, you know, see the flowering stalk coming up. When the bulbs are out of the pot, uh, should I put them in a dark? Like in the basement? Or? Well, you don't have to get that extreme. Just put them in a plastic, you know, in a paper bag. Don't put them in plastic because it can, you know, cause some, let's say, fungus problems or things like that. Sure, but sure. just keep them in, you know, if you want to put them in your basement, you can, but just put them in a paper bag. And then in December, repot them? Right. Cool. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And if you want to leave them in the pot, you can do that. Just make sure that, you know, for the next couple months that you don't do any watering or anything and then put them in a, you know, in a dark location so it doesn't stimulate any kind of growth at all. And, Fred, could you do it kind of quick? Yes, I can. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a polka dot plant in the back that is just thriving. It's beautiful. It's overflowing almost. Uh, do I pull those up at the end of the season, or do I just leave them? Uh, well, you can leave them, but they're not going to come back. They're strictly they're a, an annual slash tropical. And, you know, I've got several myself, and now with the days getting cooler and uh, the days getting shorter, they, what they're doing is they're going into a flowering cycle. So there's st- the the branches or the twigs or the stems or whatever are starting to elongate and they're getting flowers, but the flowers are not spectacular by any means. So it's a plant that you grow strictly for, 
you know, the dots on the foliage. I've got the the red one and the white ones both, and they're all, you know, starting to do the, the elongation with the sort of insignificant flowers, and that just indicates that the, you know, the growing season's okay. over for them. All right. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's, uh, they, I've had really a great, you know, great deal of fun with them this year. They were have been surprisingly you know, spectacular. I put a bunch of them in. I kind of originally when I planted them, I talked about it being kind of like a, a pointillistic type thing and with dots all over the place. And I've got a couple other plants mixed in with them in various locations. So this is the first year I've really ever grown them. So I've been really happy with how well they've done. Every year I grow different kinds of, you know, annual summertime seasonal color. And uh, next year I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's what the fun of plant material is. You get to choose and choose and choose. So if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Good gardening, folks. The second hour... Opens with the tip of the trowel, which is a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. And is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether they're plants that are growing inside, outside, plants that should be inside in another month or so, but they're outside right now on your deck or whatever it happens to be, you can just give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is a time of year to be putting down your grass seed, yes, for your cool season lawns because, well, you can't really do zoysia from seed, so just kind of keep that in mind. If you ever see zoysia seed for sale in any stores, just forget it. It's not going to work. And uh, when you put your cool season seed down, you need to make sure that uh, you put a seed starter fertilizer down with it. It's always good to core aerate first, put your seed down, and then cover your newly seeded area with compost, about a half to a quarter, a quarter to a half inch. So... Keep that in mind. And uh, how about your annuals? Many of the annuals are still looking really good. Some are headed towards downhill, but uh, as I said earlier in the previous hour, the days are getting a little bit shorter and the temperatures are getting a little bit cooler. So expect your tomatoes and your peppers and plants like that to start, uh, well, they're not going to be doing too much. And uh, how about your shrubs, those rose bushes, the conifers, deciduous, annuals, perennials, vines, water gardens? Well, I'll see. if you have any questions about any of those, you can just give us a call, and I'll share my thoughts. But please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take. 
to achieve results, but strictly offered for you to consider. Drew is here. He's producing, so he'll answer the phone. He just needs your first name, and uh, when he's not answering the phone, and he's pushing all the buttons so you can hear me. By the way, I'm Mike Miller, Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can do uh, come to your plant world for an on-site consultation and uh, just I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Tip of the trials, I said before, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. This past week, by the way, next Saturday, I'm going to be broadcasting from the Arch Grounds. I'm really happy about doing that, to be honest with you. But uh, this past Wednesday, I had to come down and record a couple spots. And the engineer that did the recording for me is D to the C. D to the C is just a nickname for this gentleman. But uh, the radio circumstance is really scientifically precise. And so I had a minute for these spots that were going to be recorded. So I tried to read them as fast as I possibly could. But anyway, I did it, and it was like a minute six. But he possesses the ability with his engineering skills. He sucked six seconds of breath out of there and still made it so everything sounded really good. So I really appreciate that. So a tip of the trial goes to D to the C. And then also a special tip of the trial goes out to Kevin Clean. Kevin Clean was here in the newsroom for many, many, many years. And uh, he's left within the last couple weeks. And so, Kevin, I'll certainly miss you. He had planned on doing a, uh, a news show or an, a news spot related to my yard, but uh, we never did get around to doing that, but that's okay. So, anyway, tip of the trial goes out to people that are staff members here at KMOX or Odyssey. So, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Morning. Hey, I have a lilac bush. It's about seven years old. I, I, I planted it from a start from another lilac bush. And the summer heat has been really hard on it. It's about seven foot high maybe and six feet wide. And it's lost all of its leaves, but now it has brand new leaves and it even has a, a bloom. I can't believe it. We saw some color in it this morning. I was just wondering if there's anything I should be doing. I know I, I water during the hot summer months a lot, but the last two summers in July has been so hot. It's really taken its toll on this bush. And I was just wondering if there's something I should be doing to help save it. It's, kind of an emotional attachment to me. <laughs> uh, basically, when it leafed out this spring, did it was it full of leaves or was it, you know, looking ugly or how did no, it look just in general? In, in the spring, it comes out, you know, pretty full of leaves. Now, we didn't get many blooms this year right. because of the damage from the year before. 
And also the the damage last fall impacted a lot of the spring bloomers, and one of the lilacs could have been, or your lilac could have been one of them that was impacted by that cold uh, th- snap in the fall. Yes. So, you know, like, like two years ago, when the summer wasn't so bad, I guess, we had a lot of blooms. And then last year we didn't have very many, and then this year we didn't have very many. So I was just wondering if there's something I can do to help it along. Uh, probably not. I mean, it doesn't – they're pretty tough and they're pretty durable. Is that, That's why I asked you about the amount of leaves that came out in the spring. If it's leafing out fully, then it's, you know, it's pretty healthy. You don't really need to do too much to it, you know. So I would say just kind of leave it alone. Lilacs is one of the plants that like an alkaline soil versus an acidic soil. So in other words, it's uh, in the same cluster of plant material like clematis, lilacs. They like the alkalinity where azaleas and dogwoods like uh, acidic. So if and uh, fertilizing wise, probably what I would do is just maybe auger some holes with an electric drill and just put some compost down in the holes, and then you're feeding the soil, and then the soil will feed your lilac. I see. I put some of those um, bush stakes in, those bush feeders. You know what I'm talking about, where you can pound them down. It's, it's supposed to be plant food, bush food that right. you pound into the ground. I put, you know, like four of those around it, and I didn't know if that helped it or hurt it. Well, it doesn't necessarily, I mean... Feeding the trees directly like that really is not necessarily to the advantage because if your soil's not good and healthy in the first place, then fertilizing is not going to make your you know plant better. But it sounds like your plant's healthy anyway. It's just being impacted by our goofy weather. Okay. So I, I shouldn't worry too much about it, huh? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My wife has a question for you, too, real quick. Okay. Um, I have a fiddle leaf fig indoor. When is a good time to, it like, needs to be repotted? So is there, I know there's time when it's not growing as much. When's a good time to repot that? Basically when we're coming out of winter. Oh, okay, so in the spring then. Yeah, so sometime after Valentine's Day. To do it going into winter time, you're messing up the root system, and it could, you know, cause it to... I don't know how many leaves it has and, you know, how tall it is or anything else, but messing with the, you know, repotting right now, um, I would not do. And when you do repot, you know, get a pot about two inches bigger than the current pot and make sure that you use potting mix, not potting soil. Oh, okay, potting mix. Yeah, because it's been kind of finicky. It almost died, and now it's about, I don't know, four feet tall and, I've kind of, I almost threw it out, but it's actually come back, and it grew really good this summer. So I wanted to, I'll just wait till spring then. That sounds good. Thank you. All right. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, 
You deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Great. Good luck. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open, so if you've got questions or concerns, give us a call. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Any of your perennial plants that are in bloom, like mums and asters and things like that, this time of year, it's okay to go ahead and fertilize those. The other ones that have already finished flowering, do not fertilize. So as ones are headed towards dormancy, leave them alone. They should be fine if they were nice and healthy. And remember, too, that fertilizing doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make an unhealthy plant healthy. You may be doing more harm than good, so keep that in mind. Let's uh, head over to Leon's. Hi, Leon. Morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm from O'Fallon, Illinois, and I've got boxwood uh, shrubs that have brown blotches on them, and I'm wondering if I should. What should I do about it? Uh, just individual leaves or large, you know, full branches? Uh, some of them are full branches, like a, a tree that's like three feet high and two feet in diameter might have some blotches as big as your hand at four or five different places. I would say just any of that, you know, type of circumstance, just prune those out. And you're really not going to—it's not really helping it just in general— but uh, what it does is just make it so the aesthetics are still there and you're not worried about it more so than anything. But the boxwood this past year experienced some tough times. I have two boxwood myself, and I've got a, a similar situation. And I've kept them watered. I've done everything that I should. But still, you can't battle the weather. So you don't think it's a blight that's... Uh, peculiar for this year? No, I don't. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I think it's just because of our goofy weather and the boxwood just went, ooh. And not all of them throughout the entire metropolitan area, but I've seen a lot of boxwood that took a real beating as a result of starting last fall's cold snap in the dry and the wet and the cold and the warmer and this and that and everything else, kind of send them downhill a little bit. Okay. Well, thank you for the information. I sure enjoy your show. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Let's head over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Hi. You follow up on those boxwoods. I've got a couple of boxwoods, but they have a large area where the leaves have kind of turned blue. Excuse me, turned white. Uh, you think... 
bring those out and boxwood might make it or just pull them out and put a new one in? I would say just go ahead and print them out, see what you think, you know, just from an aesthetic standpoint and just kind of decide next spring if you need to, you know, plug a new one into that spot where you had to prune out some major branches or if you need to just pull them out in general. And if you do, think about something besides boxwood. And then another very quick question. I had my zoysia took a beating this year, and there were huge areas that were just browned out. But later in the summer, the zoysia, I can see it, you know, starting to shoot out again. I have not put any fertilizer. I haven't put any weed killer or anything like that. I didn't know what to do with it. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, just make sure that it goes. Yeah, just make sure that uh, going into, you know, wintertime that it's, the root system is kept, you know, it's moist. So just, you know, keep watering it until it starts turning brown. You set them, you know, maybe you cut it too short early on. I don't know exactly what happened. But a lot of people cut their zoysia really short for some reason, like, so they don't have to cut their grass as often. And then consequently, it says yeah, it's really detrimental for the zoysia just kind of in general. And then next year... Get well, some, go to your favorite garden center and get some fertilizer for zoysia lawn. Okay. In the spring, I do cut it short, but in to, and in the fall, I cut it short. Maybe that's where I've messed up. But in the normal years, I, I probably, what, three, three and a half inches, maybe four. Yeah, I would say four, you know, maybe even a little bit more than four. Four to five is probably where I'd leave it during the growing, okay. active right. growing summertime. Thank you, sir. Stay safe. Sure. You do the same thing. Yeah, and coming out of wintertime, I always set my mower down to about three inches, you know, for the shortcut. And then uh, that's, you know, because of all the debris. And then I do rake with a, just a leaf rake to get the thatch out because a lot of times zoysia problems is related to thatch. And that's if you don't bag your grass clippings, it can just be just as a result of the grass clippings just piling up on the top of the surface. Let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Morning. Good morning. I have a couple trumpet vines. I live up in Bedell, north of the city, and they're mature, so they're probably about eight inches across in the base. They're 12, 14 years old, but they're not blooming like they used to. Is that just something typical trumpet vines with age? Not necessarily because they don't sound that old. So we're talking talking about the orange flower trumpet vine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean they're they're big. I mean they cover a whole arbor. You know they probably shoots are fifteen feet in the air on top of that arbor. <laughs> well, I mean that that sounds prolific, and it just you know why they're not. I mean it's just a little difficult to say why they're not flowering, but. Uh, as much as you'd like, but I mean, because they're not that old yet, but as they do age, they do get to the point where they flower less and less, even though the plant looks healthy, it has lots of foliage and everything else. Okay. Yeah, I just, they used to flower all summer long. Now it's a real good bloom in the spring, and then it's real sporadic through the summer. Really? Because usually it's kind of the other, you know, I don't want to say the other way around, but it's, 
kind of in summertime blooming and then some in the fall. But uh, if you're getting uh, a good amount of flowering in the spring, then you know, just be be happy with that. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Sure. And let's go to Ann's yard now. Hi, Ann. Hi there. Hi. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I've got two, three questions. One is about um, Ameren came through my yard with a vehicle um, that left tread marks. And um, on the side of my house, um, with some shade, my grass is not as thick, so it even tore up some of the tore out some of the grass. Now, when it proceeded through the back of my yard, which is zoysia, I I could see where the grass was, you know, pushed down where it moved along. Right. But um, I don't know if the vehicle actually went down that deep for tracks. So now they say they will come back and and send somebody. Um, and I have a lawn service, and the lawn service, unfortunately, does not deal with um, fixing uh, uh, ruts. And so that's what I'm dealing with on the side. Um, I've gone out there and kind of pounded them down and tried to straighten them. I mean, you know, uh, with a small shovel thing. And um, But on the side, you can still see it's kind of like a little gully. Not not a bad little gully, but it's there. Do they? Should I insist that that get filled in with dirt before the my lawn service comes back with grass seed, or will that eventually flatten out? No, it won't flatten out. Basically, what has pa- happened is the soil's gotten compacted severely. That's what makes the ruts. And just to put dirt into that rut is not going to help because the you know any kind of soil it should be a good quality soil and you know and it should be yeah. blended in with the existing soil. So you just can't lay it into the you know into the rut as a result of the vehicle because that won't do any good at all. It's just going to create more aesthetic problems. So you got to add you know topsoil compost mix a blend like that but it has to be shoveled together with the existing soil to raise the elevation right and how do they do that i mean with a rake with a heavy with a metal rake then they break up some of it from the sides and either that or maybe, like you know a, a small rototiller or something along that line can do it okay um i know Last year, my neighbor got the same deal. They rode through his yard. And the people they sent out, <laughs> I, I'm going to be a little bit more um, demanding. But, yeah, someone said it has to be regraded or something like that. Right. And and, um, and then my service will come back after it's fit, you know, ready to go and put in a winning, it's called a winning colors fescue uh, tall fescue, do you, is that a good one? Yeah, I mean, any of the, it's just so it's a blend. I always like, you know, with the fescues. Shade and, shade and sun. Yeah, so yeah. just so it's a blend. But the ground's got to be taken care of before they bother putting any seed down, or it's going to be just a waste of energy and time and everything else. Right. And then my other question is, can you mix up an organic kind of insecticide for bringing in plants from outside i know you can go out and buy you said buy one um like i'm saying a home 
with stuff you have around the house, whatever, that will, you could spray on that dirt. Well, you could go with, uh, say, uh, I would probably go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, check out the, you know, the rate, but mixing uh, water with vinegar and just pouring it on the soil surface, you might try that. Okay. And on your polka dot plants, I have one that's in a pot. I want to try to bring it in. I, I know it may not work, but the elongated little, the branches are like, you know, 18 inches. Can right. I cut those back? Yeah, Before just make sure you leave plenty of foliage and you put it in a really bright, sunny window. Yes, I have that. Okay, same with Gerber Daisy. I'm going to try to bring those in. Ooh. They're so healthy. I, I just hate just letting them go, sure. you know, and to try to bring them in. All right, thanks a lot. I appreciate all your time. Well, thank you. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. With Mike Miller on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open. Let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi. Uh, appreciate your program. I've been listening for years. First time I've called. Um, I'm thinking about planting some wild American plum as part of a memorial garden. And someone told me that their lifespan was only about 15 years. Um, Is that true? And what uh, would I need to do to prepare the land so that they have their best chance of uh, blooming and, and growing? So are you are you buying them as a potted plant that's already growing? Or are you buying them as bare root that you're going to plant? Um, we're looking at like a three foot tree. So one starter. that's already been that's been grown in a nursery. Yeah. As opposed to you know, because a lot of people are planting things from uh, conservation departments or whatever it happens to be in their bare root. So from this you know from this situation. Just make sure it's in a sunny location. Make sure that when you dig the hole, it's three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% is deep. So, in other words, the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. And that's pretty much you know, all you should have to do. Is this someplace that you have access to fairly easy? Yes. Okay, so it's in your landscape. It's not in a farm or, or you know a wooded area. And just, no. you know, initially when you plant it, you know, make sure that it doesn't go through any kind of drought stress at all. So after you plant it, you want, you're going to water it really well. Then, you know, if we have a, you know, up to, let's say, five to seven days with no rain, then go ahead and water it again and, and continue to do that until we get some more or less steady rainfall, fall rainfall. Okay, and I plan on uh, planting it in the spring. Would that be... Well, ideally, fall is a better time to plant. Okay. Because our summer times can be really brutal, and a plant won't, you know, plant it in the spring. The ground is cold, so the root systems won't advance. Then it's going to be facing our summer, and that's really tough. Where in the fall, the ground is warm. That encourages root system, and then they get to go to sleep for wintertime. So that's the advantage of spring your fall versus spring planting times. Okay, what is the life 
uh, stand of one of these trees. You're probably, you know, your 15-year thing is probably pretty, you know, close to being right on. Okay. Um, and are they hard to train as trees? Um, I hear they can be kind of bushy. Well, I mean, they're they're understood, you know, let's say they're ornamental trees, more or less, as far as stature mm-hmm. goes. So they're not going to be, a, you know, a big trunk with branches at the very high end of it. It's not going to look like that at all. It's going to look like, well, if you know what dogwoods look like or serviceberry or things like that. So it's right. going to be a relatively short trunk, and then it's going to have, you know, multi-stems or branches out from that point. Um, one more quick question. I planted some daisies from seeds this spring, and they they got about uh, 10, 12 inches tall, and I had like four or five blooms. Um, now they, they said that they were... Um, will, will they grow more? Is there something I should do to them for the winter? Uh, just make sure that, uh, again, you, they don't go through, you know, the rest of the fall under a dry, you know, drought circumstance or a dry situation. But uh, so, so they were perennial varieties and not just annual daisies. Yeah, they're perennials. Okay, so just, and probably uh, maybe an inch of mulch, you know, over them. Going into wintertime would be to their advantage. But beyond that, if they've, you know, if the foliage and everything look good from seed, you can't expect a whole lot of flowering for the first, you know, first couple of years. So just okay. be, just, just be conscious. You're not going to, it's not going to be prolific even next year or probably, you know, another year or two beyond that. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Just uh, as long as the foliage looks good, that's what it's all about. And Thank you. let's go over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi. Uh, I wanted to know if we can make our own insecticidal soap, if it would be effective or it's better to, you know, just buy it. I would say just buy it. <laughs> okay. Well, what about the first spray? They can... You're saying uh, just dump a bunch of water, like, or heavily water plant to get rid of ants. Can you put, like, a little bit of soap, like Dawn or anything in that, in the soil? I would probably use dishwashing soap as opposed to, like, a bar soap. No, Dawn. Dawn is a Dawn dishwashing soap. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just put, like, a a drop or two of that in, I don't know, gallon of water and flush Kind of flush the pots. Yeah, I'd probably maybe even put a little bit more than that. Okay, but then just buy the spray for right. the leaves. I guess you get, when you were saying I dawn, I was thinking you were saying dial. Oh no, dawn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so like for I don't know, you got to really douse the things a lot. I don't yeah. think there's a lot of. Oh. <laughs> All right, that's going to be a lot of work. All right. All right. Thanks for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, I just, you know, take them out of the saucer, put them, you know, in a location, and just I pour the water, you know, down through them until it comes draining out. Then I stop. Then I go back after another hour and do the same thing. And I probably, depending upon, you know, how I feel about that particular, you know, let's say plant slash, you know, time of year or whatever it happens to be, 
I can do it up to three times to try to flush as much stuff out as I possibly can related to ants. And let's go see what's going on with Walter. Hi, Walter. Hello? Hi. Yeah, um, I got a couple questions about pulling stuff up and moving stuff. Um, I got some houses I need to move. Is it all right to move them now? Absolutely. Okay. And then... uh, Just make sure you water them the day before you're going to dig them up. Yeah, and I'll have a hole ready and just move them and water them real good until they're settled in. Right. Um, And then, uh, I don't know, I think I do something different with my um, houses and cannons every year. When am I supposed to... Pull them out of the ground. I think I wait till after the first frost, and I don't know if that's correct or not. Well, that's fine. You can do it prior to that. And they'll still hold good for the winter? I find the cannons, if I pull them too early, they don't hold for winter very well. Well, you're pulling the the cannons up out of the ground, and you're shaking the soil off of them? Is that what you're doing? I wash them all off. Yeah, and then just put them in a paper bag. They should be fine. Yeah, put them in a paper bag on your table in the basement. or Right. Out of the light, where it's fairly cool. Right. Okay. All righty. That's all I got. Thank yeah. you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, uh-huh. they're pretty tough and durable. I mean, uh, I you know, I used to bring mine in and put them in the basement all the time, but the last couple of years I've actually left some in pots and just put the pots in the garage just to kind of see what would happen. And also I've had some cannas and elephant ears both this past year that I just left in the ground and put some mulch over the top of them. So, and I've had good luck with them uh, in both directions, whether I left them in pots, whether I pulled them out of the pots and put them in paper bags or left them in the ground. So I just keep playing around with different stuff. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go. Let's see. Let's go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, So my husband inadvertently, when applying a weed control to our backyard grass, killed about half the grass and this was last spring so we left it alone of course um, weeds have flourished the sort of low they um, sort of heart-shaped leaves grow in clumps um, and they're everywhere so this fall we want to address it Um, what's the best way to kill the weeds and replant or reseed Well, the herbicides, you know, as the days are getting cooler and the shorter, become less and less effective. But uh, I would go get a broadleaf evergreen herbicide, or not broadleaf evergreen, just a broadleaf weed herbicide and go after just one type of weed since, you know, you pretty much described what it sounded like was a type of clover. Go after that, get that under control, and then... Get your grass seed down before mid-October. Okay. So do we need to um, till the, till the once the weeds are dead, do we need to till it before we reseed? Well, if you probably don't need to till it necessarily, 
but probably what I would do is get a garden rake, not a leaf rake, and kind of uh-huh. score it pretty well before you put the seed down, then put the seed down, and then put a you know a half inch or a quarter inch or so of compost okay. over the top of it. Ideally, yeah. you would core aerate before you would do that, but some people you know don't get an opportunity to do the core aeration. So just using a heavy garden rake is, you know. Oh, okay. So I could organize aeration after I kill the weeds. Is right. that what you're saying? And before I. Yes. What do you think? Can I ask, what do you think of the, um, I've read where um, organically, if you want to do it organically and not use a weed killer, um, to lay cardboard over the area, lay it over the weeds, and then and then put on top of the cardboard, <clears throat> put several inches of compost. <clears throat> pardon me, and then seed. What do you think of that approach? I think that's crazy. <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Because um, the cardboard, right. depending upon what kind of cardboard it is, there's a piece of cardboard that's been, I live across the street from Christie Park, there's been a piece of cardboard that's been, you know, somebody threw out into the park a while ago. It's still there. It hasn't yeah. broken down entirely. And, you know, so I would okay. not, I'd be worried about that. And then you can't grow grass just in compost. It's got to oh, have soil. Okay. All right. Well, that that answers that question then. Yeah, it sounded, I wasn't so sure about it. It didn't sound like a good idea, but I thought I should ask. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, it sounds like I have a project then. Okay, thank you for your help. Sure. And let's go over to Diane's. Hi, Diane. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question regarding spireas. Well, it's not... Spireas, the little bushes that have the red berries on them. We've had five of these bushes for two years now. Uh, so this was the second summer, and I'm noticing the berries come in the fall, but we don't get any berries on any of ours. Well, it could be age of your particular plant. Do you know what type of plant this is with the red berries? Are you talking about um, holly? I think they're called sprites. Sprites? Yeah. Hmm. It, the only thing I can think of, did they flower? Because if you're not getting any flower, then you're not going to get the berries. So if they well, don't flower. I, I saw a couple of flowers on them, and when we purchased them, they told us that we had to have one male in the group and that the rest, so that I guess they can, <laughs> they can actually become um they can pollinate and they can make the berries, but um, and they were only maybe about two feet tall, if they were even that, when we got them. And they've grown another couple of inches. We do have deers, and the first year we thought the deers actually ate the flowers because I saw a few flowers, and they had taken off the tops of many of these plants. So we sprayed them well this year to get, keep rid of the deer, and I only saw maybe one or two little flowers, and I'm wondering if we got a whole bunch of males because I think only the females bloom. Well, the males bloom because they have to, you know, bloom to do the pollination, and then the wind, you know, blows it to 
to pollinate the females. So okay. this mm. you know, this particular variety of plant, I don't know, how, you know, it doesn't really sound all that good. Huh. Well, they're all over out in Wildwood in the, um, what do you call it, the, the streets, in the medium section. And they bloom all the time. They get these little red berries in the fall, and they're absolutely gorgeous. So that's mm. why we purchased them. And I'll be darned, we've, and I, it's Sprite is what the, I guess it's not the official name farm, but right. that's what they refer to them when you go to the nurseries and ask farms. So that's why I was trying to figure out why ours have not gotten berries now. This is the second year that they're in the ground. So. Yeah, I would say it's just maturity more so than anything else. So as long as they look healthy and they're leafing out, then that's about as much as you can expect. Sorry, Diane, we're about out of time. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. That's for next week. And you for me, so happy together. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.